Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. If you have your Bibles, open them up with me for a few moments. I want to go to the book of Acts today. I want to go to the book of Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. Thank you, Jesus. I am a bit excited. I'm glad for the Falcons. (laughs) Come on, you you may not like them, but I do. (laughs) But I'm excited. What an awesome win today. I I kept telling people, I don't want to know the score. Don't tell me the score. I got to focus. I got to focus. I got to preach. I said, just let me know the outcome. But it's awesome. But let's go to the word of God. Um, I want to go to Acts chapter 3. Everyone doing okay this evening? Did you make it in okay? Amen. Amen. Praise God. We're going to need an ark after this service. Tell you what, but that's all right. How many know it's a blessing? One moment we're complaining about the drought, but thank God for rain. Amen. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. I want to begin reading at verse 10. Acts Acts chapter 3. And I'm sorry, at verse 1. If you found it, say, I have it. Here we go. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. It said, now when Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask, ask for alms and fixing his eyes on him with John and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from him. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Whoa, wait a minute. Notice he said, rise up. I believe Peter and John were Falcon fans. But anyway, rise up. My bad. I just distracted there. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple with them. Walking, leaping and praising God. Isn't that awesome? A man that was lame, but now he's walking He's leaping and praising God and all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the notice that they said, that's the dude that we have saw. Notice that we've seen him at the gate begging alms, the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Isn't it funny that last statement said that they they were filled with wonder and amazement. And they said, and they remembered, oh, that's the dude that was at the gate begging. That's the the lame guy that was at the gate. It's almost as if, and I'm going to jump into this, is that at up until this point, he was on no one's radar. Up until this point, he was just a guy that was laying lame at the gate called beautiful. But now that he's up walking he's upstanding he's leaping and praising God now that he had received a miracle he caught the attention of the eyes of the people 
I want to just share some thoughts with you, something that's just been a burden on my heart and um, carry it for, for about a week and a half now. And, and I pray that it comes out right and you get the point that I'm trying to get across. And uh, I believe that you'll, if you'll listen with your heart, that you'll receive what, what I believe that God's going to speak to your heart through this, this story. Very familiar passage of story in um, the book of Acts. If, in you've, if you've been around Pentecost in any particular time, this is one of the first miracles that is experienced here in the book of Acts after Pentecost and the birthing of the New Testament church. And I'm going to go ahead and give you my title. I want to talk to you on this subject this evening, and it may not make sense now, but I want to call this beauty and the broken. Beauty and the broken. The Bible said that Peter and John, the scripture said that Peter and John went up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. The scripture said that these two disciples or apostles at this time are there together and they're walking up to the temple. It's interesting to see that the scripture that pointed out that they went up together. When I think about that, you have to understand that these two had been together for a while. Understand that they met Jesus together. Both of them were fishing buddies and they were in the fishing business when Jesus came alongside of them and called them to follow him to be his disciples. The Bible also talked about that they were together on the mountain of transfiguration with Jesus. Then the scripture said it was Peter and John also that when Jesus arose again that he, they ran to the, to the empty tomb together to peer in to see that he wasn't there. And just in the next chapter, in, in Acts chapter 4, you'll notice that they were together when they had these words spoken unto them. That they, when they were looked at by the religious group and said, these men are ignorant, these men are unlearned, these men are uneducated. But all we can attribute to this great authority and boldness that they walk in is that they had been with the Lord. And it's amazing how the scripture points out how these two were together over and over again. And I just want to make a side point. It's, it's the power. Power of partnership and relationship. It's a man, two men that they were together from the beginning. It's almost like they, they, they were saved together. They were saved in the same service and they grew up in ministry together. And even after they were saved and even after they got to a certain place in their life, they remained partners all throughout life. And I just want to drop that when I saw that. It tells us the importance of us having partnership and relationship in the church. That we ought to do life with people. We weren't meant to do life alone that there are some people that that, that God brings and, and maybe they encountered God in the same service as you did but we have to understand in the church even Jesus said I will not send my disciples out one by one I send them out two by two and as a church and the body of Christ we have to understand the importance of partnership and doing life together the Bible said that they went up to the temple. Notice it was a specific time. The scripture said they went at the ninth hour. In our time, it would be three o'clock p.m. on our time. They went at the ninth hour. But what's awesome is that you would think that why would they continue to follow these Jewish traditions? Why would they continue to go to the temple even after the fact that, that Pentecost and the New Testament church had been birthed? Well, I think the guys just had a heart for prayer. How many of you know the importance of prayer? How many 
know the importance of seeking God. But what's so unique about this, that during these times of prayer, they were often accompanied with times of sacrifice. But if you study it, they didn't go at the time of sacrifice, but they did go at the time of prayer. Well, why is that? Because there was no need to go at the time of sacrifice because sacrifice represent the old sacrificial system under the Old Testament covenant. But they knew that after Pentecost, that Jesus Christ, the precious lamb of God had already made the ultimate sacrifice on the cross and there was no need to enter back into a religious system. And the Bible said that there, as they begin to approach, I want to jump into this, the temple. There was a certain man that lame, that laid lame from his mother's womb at the temple. Imagine this scene as they're walking up. There was a man that was there laying lame. The scripture said it was a certain man. It was a specific man. And the Bible said this about this man. I want you to notice several things. The first thing I want you to notice was his posture. The scripture said that he was laying from his mother's womb. Acts chapter four tells us by his age how long he had been lying there. I always thought it was the man at the pool of Bethesda who had laid long. But according to the scripture, this man had been laying lame longer than him. The Bible said for 40 years, he was 40 years old. He had been in that same position. He had been in that same predicament. He was in what I called a deformed position, crippled, physically disabled, especially the, the definition said in leg or foot. Imagine this is a 40 year old man who never ran as a boy. He never walked as a man all his life. He was there laying the scripture said at the gate. Not only was he lame, the scripture said this, he, he was deformed. But number two, here's another point. He was also deprived because of his deformity. He was deprived. What do you mean? People in that condition um, during those times were not allowed to go into the temple. They could be they could lay at the temple, but they couldn't go into the temple. And because of his brokenness, because of his lameness, because of his disability, he could only sit on the outside of the uh, of the the outer skirts of the temple, only longing to experience what was on the other side. You have to understand when I say deprived, because what did the temple represent? It represent divine, the divine presence of God. It represent the place of sacrifice. It represented the, the place where there was an atonement of sin and the blessing of God. But because of his condition, it hindered him from going deeper and going places that he was should have gone, but he couldn't go because of the condition that he's in. Oftentimes we have a desire to say, Lord, I want to go deeper. I want to go further. But I'm learning in my life that when you cry out to go deeper in God, God will first start going deeper in you before you can go deep. Come on. Is anybody hearing me? We want to go. We cry out. Take me deeper. But I'm learning that when you cry out, take me deeper. He says, first, I'm going to go deeper. I'm going to go deeper in your character. I'm going to go deeper in your attitude. I'm going to go deeper in your heart. I'm going to go deeper inside of you the deeper he goes in me the deeper I can go in him and then you can step into the place where the deep cries out to the deep and step into new dimensions that God has for your life can I get a big amen right there and then the Bible talked about his placement can I show you this the scripture said that every day he was carried by men carried by men he was he was he, he was deformed he was deprived but the third thing he had become dependent dependent on man 
depended on men to carry him day after day. Could you imagine for 40 years he was dependent? He would get up in the morning. He would get ready. What time are they going to be here? Have they arrived yet? Every day, take him there, take him back. Take him there, take him back. Day in and day out, he had become dependent on men. Men had become his support system. Men had became his source. Men had become the very thing that enabled him to do anything in life. And then the Bible said, I want you to catch that, that, that not only were they placed him. Here's where I wanted to get to. Is they placed him, watch this, at the gate called Beautiful. The Bible tells us, and you can research it and you can study it. Why was it called the gate beautiful or the beautiful gate? It is said that this gate was massive. It said that, that it took, the, 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 the doors on this gate were so massive and so big, it took 20 men at one time to move one of the doors on the hinges. It was beautiful. It had gold. It was finely decorated. It said that when the sunlight would, would shine on the Corinthian brass that, that it was made of, that it would glitter and it would sparkle. And, and it was made of so much Corinthian brass that the value of it, the value of it was more than silver and gold. So it was expensive. It was extra, extra, extravagant. It was beautiful. And imagine this wall that it, when everybody came to the temple, when everybody walked up you could see it from afar off you saw the external beautiful gate because it caught everyone's attention but here's the thing but notice something it was here at this beautiful place this beautiful location that this lame man was laid and when I read that something he went off on the inside of me What I begin to see is how brokenness and beauty can be in the same place. <laughs> how brokenness and extra. Remember, the gate was on the outside of the temple, outside of the temple. How, how, how beauty was on the outside. But at the same time, brokenness is in the same place of beauty. But here's the problem. Imagine what it was like. Brokenness and beauty, brokenness and beauty in the same location. But as I showed you at the end, how many times that people were so caught up in the beautiful gate, in the external uh, uh, beauty and the gold and the silver and the sparkling of the outside of the temple that they overlooked the brokenness that was in the same place. Could it be that this is a type of people? That we're dealing with today. Could it be that this is people? Notice, let me just say this. Notice where it was at, at the temple. Could it be that this is a type of people that come to the temple, to the church, week after week, service after service, study after study, group after group, but yet beautiful, but broken. More caught up with the outside, with the neglect of the inside. 
As long as I look good on the outside, as long as I'm beautiful to the eyes of man, as long as I put up a facade and call it faith so that everybody thinks that everything is okay and everything is all right and everything is fine. I got a beautiful jacket. I got a beautiful do. I got beautiful makeup. I got a beautiful watch. I got beautiful jeans and beautiful shoes. I, I got all this beauty. But the question is, underneath your beauty, is there brokenness? I am amazed that how brokenness can be overlooked by beauty. I get, I get caught up in the appearance and the outwardness of things that I fail to see what's really going on. I wonder how many come in weekly. As long as I look good, that's all right. I may not feel good, but I look good. I'm not good on the inside, but I sure look like it on the outside. I thought about this scripture. I'm going somewhere. Bear with me. The Bible said this in the book of Kings. It said, then the men of the city said to Elijah, please notice this situation of the city. Listen, it's pleasant as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the ground is barren. Now they're talking to the man of God. They're talking to the prophet. Because Jericho at that time, it was a plush city. It was a nice city. It was manicured. It looked like Irvine. It looked like Newport Beach. Could it have been Orange County of the day? Because it was nice, nice buildings, nice structure, nice cars, nice houses, nice malls. Just nice, 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 nice. Cleaned up, clean. And he said, and the men said, but listen to me, prophet of God. It's not what you see. I know it looks good and I know it appears good, but notice what he said. He said, it's not what you see. I know they're trying to please you and look good in front of you because you're the pastor. I know they're dressed up and look good because you're the leader. I know they're trying to put up a front to you because you're their small group head and you're their worship pastor and you're their discovery director and you're their media. I know all that, but it's not what you see. He said, notice, he said, the water is bad and the ground is barren. Because he said he understood that the water system underneath, the Bible said, was bitter. And because underneath was bitter, the result was barrenness. In other words, the land was barren. The land couldn't produce. It couldn't produce fruit. It couldn't produce. It wasn't productive because it looked good on the outside. Underneath is broken and underneath is rotten. And therefore, there was no produce or there was no fruit of the spirit there was no fruit there was no gentleness there was no love there was no kindness there was no peace in homes in marriages in relationships and the truth of the matter is I'm not trying to be ugly or mean today here in my heart I have cried over this message but the reality of it is this represents a lot of people who are coming in church week after week they're coming to the temple and they're putting up a front as if everything is okay but in reality we 
we sit back, ooh, look at that family. It looks good. Ooh, that marriage looks so awesome. They ne- I bet they never argue. Look at those kids. Now, but sometimes you got to realize that it could all be just the external. But in reality, many are coming with beauty, but underneath they're broken. And what we need is a real touch of God. We need something that can go beyond the external, deep down into the hearts of people and bring healing to their brokenness. Many are broken, broken with depression. See, you can't always see it. You can't always see anxiety. You can't always, it doesn't wear itself all glamorous. It's easy to come, but broken with depression and broken with fear, broken with anxiety and broken with bitterness and broken with rage and broken with anger, broken with resentment, broken with unforgiveness. All this stuff has created a spiritual sewage in your soul that is hindering your life from being productive. But I'm here to declare to you it is not the will of God for you to live a life on the external but not have his internal power and presence living through you we're good at cosmetic Christianity we're good See, what the problem is, what has become popular in our culture has become popular in the church. Uh, Last year, I wrote the stats down, I looked it up, $12.9 billion on plastic surgeries. Now, don't get me wrong, do what you got to do. I get it. I'm not, I'm just saying, do what you got to do. But what I'm trying to get you to see, 15.9 million people had cosmetic surgery last year in the United States. Listen to this. Between 2000 and 2015, plastic surgery and cosmetic makeovers has risen 115%. So many millions of people worried about the outside and what's popular in the culture has become popular in the church because we come in with plastic smiles and plastic hallelujah, thank you Jesus, blessed and highly favored of the Lord and we got all this religious facade and we call it faith and in reality we're hurting in reality we're broken in reality we're hemorrhaging on the inside and in desperate need for more than just religious routine This is the thing that Jesus, the Bible even talks about it, that there would come a day and a time in the last days that that one of the things would be a sign that many would have the form of godliness but deny the power thereof. They would have the external look of religion and saying the right stuff and doing the right things and carrying the Bibles and carrying the walk and wearing the suits and all that, but they are literally denying the power of God from transforming them on the inside so that they can have real beauty on the outside can I just keep preaching a little bit and Jesus said he said yep it's in the church it's in the temple because he rebuked the scribes the Pharisees and the hypocrites he said you are whitened whitewashed tombs full of dead man's bones you may clean the outside of the cup but the inside is, is corrupt and full of dead man's bones listen there's a difference 
difference between, oh God, being whitewashed and washed white. See, when you're white, man, oh God, religion will, oh God, will whitewash you, but it takes the blood of Jesus uh, to wash you white because he said, though your sins may be as scarlet, oh God, they shall be washed white as snow. Religion will wash you white, but Jesus, come on, well, come on. But only Jesus can cleanse you on the inside. Could it be that this is where Peter got the words in his book after having this encounter experience? He said, you need to understand that that, that beauty, the real beauty is not the outward adornment of ornaments and, 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 and jewelry and fashion. And don't, Wait a minute. Don't, take care of yourself. Some take this scripture way in the left field of religion and use it as an excuse to look crazy and dead. Because God wants you beautiful on the outside too. But he said that shouldn't be the number. That shouldn't take precedence over the inward beauty. God desires the inward beauty of your spirit, of your heart. I thought about this. I remember when I was in college and I was in school. I remember there was this young lady, and my wife will know who I'm talking about, so let me clarify this. She was a fairly nice-looking young lady. Looked good, and I can say that. She's over there and everything, but very nice and, you know, very attractive in the way that she looked, and she took care of herself. Matter of fact, she was going to school to be a cosmetologist of all the things. Beautiful on the outside. But one of the craziest things is this, that when she opened up her mouth, my Lord, she had cuss curse words that were created in the moment. Things that came out of her mouth and that she spoke. I always scratch my head. How can a woman be so beautiful but talk so bad? Well, the Bible said out of the heart. Out of, come on. What comes out of your mouth is a representation of your heart. Because see, when you can have beauty on the outside, but if there's broken on the, brokenness on the inside, it will always come out in ugly talking, ugly attitudes, ugly ways that you treat people, ugly ways that you talk people. It will always come out ugly. And no matter how good you look on the outside, your mouth will always reveal the ugliness on the inside. So what happened? What do I do? The Bible said that John and Peter and John went up to this man in this dilemma. And what's awesome is when they came up to him, the scripture said that Peter and John looked at him. And he looked at them. But as they came up to the temple, the scripture said that he began to ask them for alms. But the problem is this, church. Let me show you how to get through this. Is that he was asking for alms. He was begging for coins. He was begging for money. In other words, he wasn't asking for what he needed. He was only asking for what he wanted. Ah, because God, I want you to enlarge my territory. I want you to bless me indeed. I want you to prosper me. I want you to raise me up. I want you to give me this. And I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. But how often do we ask, create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. 
Purge me with thy hyssop that I shall be clean. Wash me so that I can be whiter than slave. Make, come on, how often do we pray? Search me, Lord, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me, oh God. Look at me on the inside. Is there anything about me that don't please you, that don't honor you? When do we pray? Not just don't, don't get me wrong. God wants to bless you and God wants to prosper you. But is your wantsness less bigger than your need? list before God can I see my cup Kirby I'm going to be finished here in a minute begging he's begging he's begging he's begging but see here's the thing he was still watch this only looking to receive something, watch this, that would satisfy him in the condition that he was in. He wasn't looking to receive anything that would change the condition that he was in. Because he had been there so long and he had been, he had trusted in the natural for so long and he had been dependent on man for so long and he had been passed by so long. And so you know what he said? At least I won't starve. Give me something that will satisfy me in the condition that I'm in. But the Bible said, as he's, I thought about it, I saw it. Watch this. He was begging for change. Watch this. See, everybody else that passed him by saw him begging for change in his cup. But when Peter and John walked up to him, he said, he's not just begging for change. He's begging for change. Oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. Everybody else only saw him needing change in his cup. But Peter and John said, I see you need change in your heart. He's begging for change. Begging for change. And the Bible said, I'm going to show you how he got it. Can I give you, give you this real quick? He's begging for change. And the Bible said that Peter and John said, silver and gold have I not. But such as I have, I give unto thee. It's not that they didn't have silver and gold to give him. I don't believe they were broke. Because if you read the book of Acts, the Bible said they, they shared all things in common and they made sure none of them lacked anything. But what they were saying, I don't have silver and gold to give you because what you, don't, what you need is not silver and gold. What you need is an encounter with the living God. What you need is the power of resurrection to get you up out of this situation. And watch this. Notice, you got to read the word. The Bible said, watch this, this, this grabbed me. And the Bible is real clear about things. Like He said, they reached out, notice, with his right hand and raised him up. Why, did that, why didn't he just say hand? I'm going to tell you why. When he used his right hand, the Bible said that the right hand in the scripture represents the authority and the power of God. Watch this. And notice he said, he said rise up in the name of Jesus. Watch this. Well, the Bible said that Jesus now sits on the right hand of the Father. 
with all power and all authority over powers and principalities. So in other words, when he reached out and he grabbed a hold to his right hand, he was grabbing a hold to authority. He was grabbing hold to power. He was grabbing hold, watch this, to the finished work of the cross. He was grabbing a hold, oh, come on somebody, actually to his breakthrough. And he raised them up. What do you mean he grabbed a hold to his breakthrough? Aren't we believing God for breakthrough? Because I'm going to show you why. When he grabbed his right hand, he said, I'm grabbing a hold to what Christ did on the cross. I'm grabbing a hold because what he did on the cross, watch this. Everywhere that he was broken in his body on the cross, it represents a breakthrough in my life. I, I wrote this down and I told them that, that there was a song, Beautiful Exchange by Hillsong. And, and, and listen to these words. I wrote it down. It's called a beautiful exchange and they're talking about Isaiah 53. Because see, to our eyes, it wasn't beautiful. The scripture even said it. But according to Isaiah 4, it says in the day that the branch of the Lord, it says in that day, the branch of the Lord, watch this, shall be beautiful and glorious. Because the cross, watch this, was a type or a place of beauty and brokenness. <laughs> It was the beauty and brokenness of Jesus Christ. Ugly to our eyes, beautiful to the Father, but His brokenness allowed us to have breakthrough. And watch this, listen. Trading your life for my offenses. My redemption, you carried all the blame. Breaking the curse of our condition. Listen. Perfection took our place. I love that. He said, I broke the curse of your condition. Your condition. I broke the thing that was breaking you. That's what I wrote in there. God knows how to break the thing that's trying to break you. He knows how to kill the things that's trying to kill you. And he will know, my God, you're in the right service this evening. Because I believe before we end, there's some things that are going to be killed that's been trying to kill you. Things are going to be broken that's been trying to break you. Because the Bible declares in that day, what day? The day that the anointing of the Holy Spirit will lift the burden it will destroy the yoke off of our lives that we no longer have to be people living in brokenness but appearing to be beautiful who am I talking to who am I talking to stand to your feet thank you for listening to this week's podcast we hope you are blessed